Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to Nature Folk. This is Selena Fox and Nature Folk followed by Circle Talk every Tuesday night are part of Circle Sanctuaries networking ministries for pagans of many paths and many places. Tonight on Nature Folk, we take a look at sacred harvest tools as part of the ritual tools series. Harvest tools can take many forms. We're going to take a look at harvest tools that are ritual tools and tools that are used in the hand. There's different types of harvest tools, and I'm going to share some of those types, some of their uses, some ways of caring for the tools and storing them, and some of their symbolism. When we think about harvest, we can think about not only the act of harvest, but the celebration of the harvest. Within many pagan traditions, there are three harvest celebrations that coincide with the wheel of the year, with the beginnings and midpoints of each of the four seasons. In the high point of summer is the first of the harvest celebrations. Lunasa, some people call it Lamas. We call it the Green Spirit Festival time at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve in Wisconsin, USA. That's because most of the harvesting that we do are herbs which are green. Our principal harvest herb is that of mugwort. Then we look at the harvest of the grain traditions connected with this first of the harvest festivals. And then as we turn the wheel and go to the beginning of fall, we have the autumnal equinox. This, for many pagans, is the pagan Thanksgiving. This is the festival of bounty, of abundance. It's the height of the harvest season. So as Lunasa was a time where the harvest work was starting and the celebration of the start of the harvest, and in particular the grain harvest, when we get to fall equinox, It is the peak of the harvest, and at this time, there are many types of fruits and vegetables, grains, grasses, herbs, nuts, 
that are being harvested. And for that reason, this is a time of really looking at the harvest feast and the main harvest celebrations. The third of the harvest festivals that coincide with Sabbaths in the Wheel of the Year is that of Samhain, which happens in late October, early November. This marks the end of the harvest. And for many Wiccan traditions and some pagan traditions and Druidic traditions, this is the start of the spiritual year. At each of these harvest Sabbaths, there are different symbols that represent the cutting of grains, the gathering of fruit and vegetables and other bounty. And when we get to the fall equinox time, most of the symbols that are connected with harvest all converge on this holiday. The loaf of bread, the sheaf of wheat, common for the Lunasa holiday, for fall equinox, sickles, the horn of plenty, abundance of different crops. And for Samhain, we typically have the scythe, the symbol of the grim reaper. The harvest is done and we're going in to the coldest and leanest time of year in places with four seasons. And so the scythe is not only a harvest symbol, but has been associated with the passing of time, a symbol of father time and grandmother time. And it's also a symbol connected with death and hollows and Halloween and all things spooky and witchy and and harvesty. There you have more gourds, squash, pumpkins, apples you will find at all three harvest festivals, but especially at the last two. So giving the context of harvest festivals, let's take a look at types of harvest tools and symbols connected with sacred harvests. I mentioned the sickle, and that has typically a wooden handle and a crescent-shaped blade. Some will cut herbs with this, some sheaves of grain, sweet grass, other types of grasses. Some will harvest flowers, getting a number of stalks together at once. The sickle can be made of different materials, some type of stainless steel with a wooden handle 
is commonplace across different pagan traditions today. There's also the golden sickle, and in Druid lore and other forms of pagan lore, the golden sickle was connected with harvesting certain herbs in a sacred way. In particular, lore abounds, both old and contemporary, of using the golden sickle to cut mistletoe from an oak tree. And the harvested mistletoe would be caught in white sheets, and then that mistletoe would be used in ceremonies, not only throughout the year, but in particular connected with the Yuletide Sabbath. Some people prefer to have a copper or bronze sickle, and certainly um, there are those that use copper and bronze sickles ceremonially, just as with gold, and some will have a silver sickle as well. If you're going to be doing quite a bit of harvesting, you may also want to invest in a good steel sickle with a very um, good edge on it. You may use one of a more precious metal to take the first cutting and then do the bulk of the harvesting with the stainless steel sickle. A scythe is primarily used to cut tall standing grasses and herbs, um, many types of grains, and it has a long wooden handle that can be wielded typically by both hands. So a scythe is a much heavier duty instrument. And some use as the symbol the main symbol of harvest. Then let's take a look at different types of blades. When I was in the Caribbean back in the 1980s um, doing some speaking there, I had occasion between my speaking engagements to go with friends up into the hilly areas of this island nation off the coast of Venezuela. And what we use there, not only to clear a path, but it is also used in that place and in some other places around the planet um, to cut herbs. And there was really tall lemongrass, and we used a machete to do that. And it had a wooden handle and a really long blade and it was really good for getting through really thick and very tall lemongrass. Machetes can be used in a sacred way as a way of harvesting um, tall vegetation in, a, in addition to or instead of a scythe or a sickle. Common 
and pagan ritual literature are mentions of blades. One of the most common for harvesting is a white-handled knife. Some call it a bolin or a bolin. There's an equivalent in some traditions called a curfane. So with this knife, it's used to cut herbs, and the knife itself can be used for engraving as part of rituals, often engraving in wax of candles. Some use scissors as part of the harvest. I have specialty scissors that I use specifically for grass-type um, vegetation such as chives. They are extremely sharp, and with chives you need to cut close to the earth, and that stimulates growth. I not only harvest my chives, but when it comes time to cut them up and put them in dishes that I'm making, I use these really um, finely sharpened harvest scissors in food preparation. And this is a ritual. When I do harvesting, I see all harvesting that I do in my own herb and vegetable gardens as a kind of sacred harvest, connecting with the spirits of the plants prior to doing the harvest, calling on divine guidance for the harvest, and then at the end of the harvest, giving thanks. The harvest tool that I use for sacred harvest the most actually is a pair of hand clippers. I actually have several of different shapes and sizes that I use, and some have curved blades and others are a straight anvil. And with the straight anvil, I use those for some of the heavier woods. But I have uh, my main hand clippers has a curved blade, and it is designed to be able to cut vegetation rapidly and cleanly. And it's really important when you do harvest tools that you find them that not only feel good in your hands, but that they are sharp and that there's good safety precautions in using them. How to select a hand-cutting tool for sacred harvest. Be thinking about what type of harvest you plan to do. Are you primarily cutting herbs? Are you cutting fruit off of trees? Are you plucking fruit from trees? Are you um, needing to cut woody parts? Or are they thin stems? Another thing to look at is durability. 
And my recommendation is to go for a harvest tool that will last, to get something that's as heavy-duty as feels comfortable to be held in your hands, and that will fit your budget if you're purchasing this, and then to keep your harvest tools in good working condition. That may take the form of doing some oiling of metal, getting a service that will sharpen metal with the harvest tools that you have. Another thing to keep in mind as you are looking at selecting tools Where are you going to store them? How are you going to access them? Some of the hand clippers that are available have a place where you can put a cord or a hook. Others do not. My preference is to get a harvest tool in the form of hand clippers that allows me to hang it on some hooks easily accessible. So if I have need to do a harvest ritual of a particular type of herb growing in my garden, I know right where the tool is and can go for them. And it's a way of not only having the convenience of being able to connect with them, but also it's a way of really honoring harvest in a sacred way by caring for the tools that you select and acquire and having them last, just as with other types of ritual tools, be it a chalice or a pentacle, an incense burner, um, some form of lamp or candle, the more you use that tool, the more it connects you with the sacred and becomes a foundational physical object for ritual life. It becomes imbued not only with the spiritual energy that you're working with, but It accumulates the power that it is used in connection with, with the various ceremonies that happen over time. And harvest tools can take a number of forms. There are ones that are very pragmatic and are really meant primarily as utilitarian tools, but some of those that are really very practical in that way may also have their own kind of flourishes and ornamentation. This is especially true if you are able to acquire some harvest tools that are antiques but that have been preserved in good condition. My two sickles that I use in rituals, both are quite old, and I use them not only as tools themselves for the harvest, but I use them ceremonially to represent the harvest time. 
once you've selected tools, then it's important to care for them so that once you've used them, if there's moisture on a metal blade, then be sure to have a cloth or paper towel that can absorb moisture and clear the moisture off. It'll cut down on the rust factor if you have iron and not stainless steel. I think it's good to um, take a look at your tools, not only while you're using them, but between uses and periodically check on them. Some people find it important to engrave on the tool, to put one's name or one's uh, sacred symbol representing self or representing the harvest on the tool itself as a way of imbuing it further as a sacred object that's used for harvest rituals. I'd like to talk a bit now about some other types of harvest tools for sacred harvest that assist in the harvest in various ways. So we take a look at harvest containers. So you're harvesting materials, vegetation, you're gathering nuts, you are um, gathering wood. There are different types of things that you may be doing as you do a large harvest ritual. You may be harvesting multiple things. It may be apples and grapes. You may be getting grape vines. You may be getting um, corn and grains. Um, and as you pay attention to what types of things you're harvesting, many people have the tradition of having a distinct container for each type of harvested good. I have a variety of baskets of different shapes and sizes that I use as harvest containers containing the bounty of the harvest. I have some small baskets that if I'm gathering something such as thyme, which has very tiny leaves and very thin stems, that I'm able to fill up and allow um, air circulation as I'm harvesting and placing the thyme in the baskets. When I'm cutting something that's larger, such as basil, I'll use a much bigger basket that's big enough to not only hold each of the stem of basil that I cut, but to keep the basil from crushing each other. So there are some pragmatics that go on as you do harvest in a sacred way. You want to not only respect the plant, connect with it, and as you're harvesting the, um, the plant, you want that which you have harvested to be cared for in a good way and not to be crushed and 
damaged in the containing process as one moves about a garden or a field. I have some baskets that are flat except for their sides and I can put really long um, sprigs. Mugwort can get seven feet, eight feet tall and I usually don't put mugwort in a basket but um, as I'm doing mugwort harvest often there's younger shoots that may be two to three feet in length in which case I'll put them in one of these large carrying they're also good for um, carrying grains I have some bushel baskets that I use for gathering nuts um, acorns walnuts um, other bounty from the forest. I find it works much better to separate the different types of nuts because some will dry differently, require different ways of drying. Um, black walnuts, for example, have, have an outer husk and um, can be a bit messy. So uh, having them all contained in their own um, container and going back and then processing the harvest, then those nuts can be spread out um, in long sheets and and be able to dry better that way. With acorns, I do not need to go to that extent. I have certain baskets. They aren't really deep, but I, as I go in the woods, they have handles on them. I'll be able to pick up and put the acorns in. And then put them in some additional containers to let them air out a bit more. And sometimes I'll just take the acorns, though, and just hang them up on a hook, um, the basket, and they become their own means of drying. So there's different approaches to baskets that can be used as part of the harvest. And in displaying the harvest, some Baskets are placed on altars with samples of the different types of produce that's been gathered and different types of herbs. In addition to baskets, some will use some tightly woven cloth or even paper bags for gathering some types of vegetable and plant material. Angelica seeds, for example, and angelica is a sacred plant that is associated with protection. Um, it actually is a plant that some call the archangel plant. Angelica and angels share common root. And what works great for that is to take the seed heads and put them and paper bags, they not only are a container gathering the bounty from the angelica, but they can be a way that those seeds can dry. In looking at literature that's come down to us and some woodcut illustrations and other art from hundreds of years ago, when humankind in Europe and in the Americas was much more agrarian, 
another harvest tool um, and aid for carrying harvest materials is that of the cart. Some people have wheelbarrows or garden carts today that they use as part of their harvest. We certainly do that when we harvest mugwort. We'll bundle the really tall bunches of stalks and then we'll lay them all in the same direction in a really large garden cart. In fact, often we will have our green spirit harvest picture taken around the cart. This ritual tool uh, symbolizes the bounty of the harvest and is a practical way of getting it from one place to another place where it can be dried and processed. In the old tradition known as Harvest Home, which has its roots in old England and some other parts of Europe, but most of what we know about Harvest Home has come down um, from England. This holiday has traditions where the last cart carrying the bounty in may have a young maiden sitting on top representing um, the spirit of harvest. Some will actually take grain instead of having um, a human represent Mother Nature, Mother Earth, or Mother Harvest. They'll have um, a grain dolly fashion. Sometimes it's so huge, the sheaf of wheat or other grain, that it's actually put in a human dress, often white, or it may be colors of the season. And that harvest queen, that harvest symbol, is carried back on the last of the cartloads as a harvest ritual, as a symbol of the sacred forces that have made a bountiful harvest possible. So containers can be used ritually as well, as well as their pragmatic um, aspect. Many people, as they do sacred harvest, will have some type of offerings that are made at the start of the harvest and then at the end of the harvest. Many people will do offerings at both the beginning and the end. Some may use words at the beginning and then put a physical offering down at the end, or that may be reversed in some other traditions where they'll put some offering down first and then at the very end do some words or sing a harvest Thanksgiving song. What are some of the things that people do then as offerings? Some will take some herbs that represent goodwill, healing, well-being, and will place them on the field or in the garden 
some fresh harvested herbs or some dried harvested herbs and will set them down as one calls to the spirits of the plants, calls on the divine in one or more forms, deity forms, ancestors, spirits of the land forms, and put that harvest offering down as a way of acknowledging and respecting the sacred force or forces. What I tend to do is verbal honoring and to take a chalice or a a tall carafe of water or sometimes it's specially made herbal tea and I will pour a libation on the ground before starting the harvest. In similar fashion, you know, giving thanks and asking help and guidance as one goes about doing the harvest work, not just for me, but whoever else is part of the harvest activity. So there can be libations, there can be actual um, fresh herbs put down, there can be dried um, herbs, dried flowers placed down. Some use a smudge or incense smoke as a way of beginning the harvest ritual and will kindle the smoke and then offer it as a token of respect and appreciation to the sacred forces. Another sacred harvest ritual that involves a ritual tool is what's called the first of the harvest. Taking the harvest tool or tools, if it's a blade and one's cutting some sage, for example, one honors the sage plant and then the first of that harvest is taken and then put in a special offering bowl or uh, some type of harvest box and then that's used as the symbol of the spirit of that plant and generally is not used for other purposes. It's used ritually. Some people use that method at the beginning. Other people use that method of connecting with the spirit of the plant in a respectful way at the end. And some will do both. Another aspect of working with harvest tools and harvest rituals is being able to position oneself to connect with the beauty and the bounty of the harvest. And some people, as an additional aid to the containers and the cutting tools that may be involved, will actually have an altar present and possibly a stool or a seat 
and one may do a more in-depth meditation before actually doing the harvest. Some will take the first of the harvest while they are barefoot, standing on the ground before one starts cutting the plant or gathering the fruit. Some start of harvest rituals involves singing, some silent prayers, some spoken prayers. In some traditions, another harvest tool would take the form of silver coins, or if one is wealthy enough and inclined to do so, to have golden coins. Many people today in the United States will use a dime because it's silver colored as the silver coin of choice. Going to a garden area or to a forest or a field, finding a spot to connect with the land, with the spirits of the plant or plants that one's going to be connecting with. Um, if it's in a forest, for example, and it's an oak tree, um, and it's acorns that are the focus of the harvest, then an appropriate harvest ritual with a coin would be to honor that oak and then pl place the coin at the root area. Some will actually bury the coin under a root. Others will set it somewhere in where the roots are poking out of the soil. And that is done to acknowledge the oak spirit. Some use other types of offerings, small crystals or other gemstones. Some who um, have Native American ancestry that do harvest ritual will use tobacco. Some will use burning of sweet grass, some dried cedar or dried white sage. Some will burn sage in the form of a smudge stick or within a smudge bowl as one is making um, connections with the place, with the harvest, with the plants, um, the nature spirits. And some will call one or more divinities, depending on the tradition one's practicing, to watch over the harvest as a whole rather than just working with the particular plant spirit to watch over that particular harvest. So you'll find a variety of um, types of approaches for harvest rituals. I do think it's important, as one is in the harvesting process, that the harvest itself be seen as a kind of spiritual practice, as a kind of ritual, and that one keeps that attunement to the particular type of plant whose bounty you're harvesting. And when one gets a sense 
that one needs to stop harvesting, that one respects that and does that. And then also essential is the thanksgiving at the end. And then the gathering of the harvested material and the transport to the place where it will be dried or stored or processed. That process can also have ritual connected with it. Some will do a blessing of the harvest tools and accessories at the very start of the harvest and then at the end of the harvest and give thanks to the tools as part of the ritual process. In this last part of our time together, I'd like to share some information about another type of harvest tool. In fact, it's the symbol of sacred harvest across many different traditions. It's a symbol of thanksgiving. It's a symbol of bounty, of plenty. It's the cornucopia. It comes to us down from ancient pagan Greece. The ancient Romans also was found of using it as a ritual tool. You will see today not only in survivals of the ancient Greek and Roman art, images of cornucopia, but you will see cornucopia in popular culture as well. This is a kind of harvest basket. It takes the form of the horn because of the old Greek lore that and the different stories that were connected with it, that it was a symbol of ongoing nurturing. Many people call it cornucopia. Many people call it horn of plenty. Some use both those terms. The lore about it being a never-ending source of abundance is widespread across a number of ancient and contemporary traditions. I have a number of cornucopia in my uh, collection, and I use them all ritually as well as decoratively. Many people in celebrating fall equinox will fill a a horn of plenty with the different fruits and vegetables and nuts and grains and grasses and herbs that are in season, that are being harvested. Some will carry the Horn of Plenty around the sacred circle as a way of casting the circle and traditions that practice that. Some will have multiple cornucopia images and have one in each of the sacred quarter parts and may have a different type of harvest produce 
in each of the horns of plenty. One of the ritual practices that I have incorporated in our welcome fall, our fall equinox, autumnal equinox, community rituals at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve is that of having an enormous cornucopia on a large central altar. And then during the fall equinox ceremony, we each have a symbol of the harvest, some fruit or vegetable, nuts, herbs, some bit of produce that have either come from our own gardens, our local grocery, a farmer's market um, that we've acquired, perhaps wild crafting. We have that symbol with us, and during the ceremony, we will chant together our thanksgiving, not only for the harvest, but blessings throughout the year, and we will take our symbol of the harvest, our token of the bounty of nature, and go into the center of the circle, and collectively we create a community cornucopia altar with all sorts of symbols of harvest from many places, uh, many colors, and many textures can be quite beautiful. Some people will have uh, different types of apples and pears and other fruits. Some people will bring Indian corn or regular yellow or white corn. Some will bring different types of herbs. Some will bring flowers. Some will bring barley or some other grains. Um, Some will bring acorns, other types of gifts from trees. Some will take decorations from nature, colored leaves, grapevines, and bring them up to the altar, put them in or around the cornucopia with expressions of thanksgiving to the divine. And we together are participating in an ancient harvest thanksgiving ceremony and working with an ancient tool in a contemporary way. Some will keep a cornucopia full for multiple days and nights, and certainly if you have a place where the different types of fruits and vegetables that may be part of it are able to be preserved well, that can work great. Some people will use symbolic fruit and vegetables, things that they can use from year to year, things that have been made to look like actual apples and actual gourds rather than the gourds themselves. Though I've found that with many types of um, harvest symbols, one can dry some and having some dried material within a horn of plenty because many people will use herbs for example dried more than fresh um, throughout the year because 
especially during the winter. That's the form you're going to be have as most successful. And to really have a combination of fresh and, and dried greenery and flowers as part of arrangements. One of the things that we do with the cornucopia after we have concluded our Harvest Thanksgiving and Fall Equinox ceremony, we will take our cornucopia and set it in a beautiful place in nature. We take it off of an altar off the ground, and we have a big rock altar where we place it and sometimes we'll have that for the rest of the festival, and sometimes we'll actually empty the cornucopia on this large um, set of, of boulders that we call Big Rot Altar. And we have all sorts of wildlife that will then come up and be agents of the divine to uh, take some of that bounty back into themselves, and it's a way of giving back to nature. So as we take a look at sacred harvest tools as ritual tools, we've talked a bit about different types of cutting tools and containing tools, um, tools that we use for the ceremony itself in terms of offerings, talked about the harvest symbol of the cornucopia, and let's talk a bit now in conclusion about creating harvest rituals with the ritual tools. Just as some people will use a wand, a sphere, a pinnacle, some other type of tool representing an elemental force or representing power, and will hold it up during a ritual, one may have ceremonial tools that are harvest tools that are used in this way. Some may hold the scythe or the sickle, or even the clippers or a knife or machete, hold that blade high overhead as one calls forth a blessing upon the harvest, a blessing upon the harvester, a blessing upon the harvest tools. I do think when you're working with blades, some sharp instruments, that having as part of a sacred harvest ritual that one also invoke safety for the use of the tools and all of those who are out doing the harvest. Another thing that can be done with a harvest tool during a Thanksgiving celebration such as autumnal equinox is to take a harvest tool and pass it around the circle so that each person has an opportunity to express Thanksgiving in their own way. This might take the form of each person giving thanks for a type of edible substance that has come from field or forest or garden, or it may take the form of something that one has accomplished in the past year, or in particular, 
the growing season from the springtime going through the summer. Harvest tools can also be used as a way of invoking divinity. The cornucopia is very associated with different types of goddess of abundance, Mother Earth images, Mother Nature images, Demeter, Ceres, goddess of grain, goddess of fruit, Pomona, um, the goddess of fruit and apples. Um, The cornucopia can be used as part of adornment for someone that is seeking to be a living representation of the divinity in ritual drama, as well as priests and priestesses can use the cornucopia as a symbol of the goddess of plenty herself. Some will use a blade, especially a long blade of sorts, a knife, in calling on the god of the harvest. Um, Dionysus, for example, or Bacchus may be called when grapes are harvested, for they were gods of the vine, Bacchus being the Roman version of Dionysus from ancient Greece. So some may call a divinity specifically connected with a particular thing that's being harvested. There's an old traditional song from England called John Barleycorn. And it's come into pop culture. A number of pagan musicians today do um, John Barleycorn. One of the things about that song that I like is it really talks about the harvest process and the personification of the barley corn as um, a kind of god of the grain. Throughout the song, there are references to not only the harvest um, activities, but the processing of John Barleycorn and a variety of different harvest tools beyond the ones that I've um, talked about tonight that were used in more mass harvesting are mentioned in that song. I think it's important as you go about working with ritual tools that the basic etiquette and processes that you use for all your ritual tools also apply for these tools that are actually used to do physical labor, um, to um, bring forth um, harvest, and so take care of your tools, store them in a good place, um, pay attention to them, Be thankful for them, for they are an extension not only of the sacred self that you have within you, but they are the means for connecting with the divine that's within the vegetation that you're interacting with, and they are part 
of the harvest lore and traditions that we cherish from our ancestors and into the present day, into the future. Thank you all for your attention, and I wish you all a wonderful equinox. For those of you who have fall equinox coming up, happy fall. And for those of you in the other hemisphere that are actually getting ready for springtime, happy spring to you. I want to give thanks to the Circle Sanctuary radio team, David and Jeanette Ewing and Deborah Rose, for their help each week for our um, programs. I invite you to stay tuned for Circle Talk tonight, and we're continuing our Pagan Authors series. And for those of you who would like more information about harvest traditions and ways to celebrate the equinox, I invite you to go to my main Facebook page, Selena Fox Updates. I'll be posting some links to that in the next few days. And you can go to the Circle Sanctuary website, www.circlesanctuary.org, and you can look under teachings, celebrating the seasons, and there are resources available there, as well as some past podcasts for celebrating Equinox and the harvest. So I invite in the last part of our show, David and Jeanette Ewing. Good evening. Good evening. Happy and happy fall. Happy fall. You. Yeah, um, you are going to be taking part in Pagan Pride Day coming up, and where will that be? So we're going to be taking part in the Northern Virginia Pagan Pride Day celebration, uh, which will be taking place this year. Um, the past few years it's been in the city of Manassas Park at their, at their community center, and because of some changes in rules that they had with, with groups and vending and stuff, we've had to find a new, they've had, had to find a new location so this year, we're on campus at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Oh, that's this coming wonderful. Saturday. It's a great campus. Yeah. And I'll be doing Pagan Pride in Pittsburgh um, beginning of October, October 1st, and there'll be some additional events the Friday night before and the Sunday afterwards, so stay tuned to my Facebook page as well as if you aren't already on the Circle Sanctuary Circle Times list to get information about things that we do around the country as well as our podcast and some of our projects and events that we have at Circle Sanctuary in Wisconsin, I invite you to go to www.circlesanctuary.org to connect there. So who do we have coming up on Circle Talk tonight? So tonight, uh, Circle Minister Deborah Rose will be talking with um, Ellen Everett Hopman, who is a Druid priestess, master herbalist, homeopath, counselor, and author in continuation of our author series. Well, great. And we invite everyone to stay tuned for that and taking us into Circle Talk what do you have for us tonight? 
Well, we have a little song that's kind of known here and there called John Barleycorn, um, which you talked about a little bit ago in your talk. And this this one is um, performed by Dave the Bard. So, so wishing John. everybody a great equinox and stay tuned for Circle Talk. Good night. Good night. There were three men came out of the west their fortunes for to try. And these three men made a solemn vow John Barleycorn must die. They ploughed, they sowed, they harrowed him in, throwing clods upon his head. And these three men made a solemn vow John Barleycorn was dead. They let him lie. For a very long time Till the rain from heaven did fall Then little Sir John Threw up his head And so amazed them all They let him stand Till the midsummer day Till he grew both pale and worn Then little Sir John Threw a great long